So, what's your favorite video game? Oof, that's a fun question. Um, I mean, like right now, it's Limbo because I'm playing Limbo, mm -hmm. that uh, puzzle platformer that you saw me playing the other day. Uh, it's very, very good. I love it a lot. But all time, Knights of the Old Republic, probably. I love story games. I know you hate talking games. <laughs> How about you? When I was younger and played more video games, it was definitely Kirby. The, oh, of course. I forget what it's called. What, it, was it, would on, have been it was on Dreamland? N64. Oh, no, Kirby 64, yeah. Maybe. The one where you can combine powers. It's called, like, Shards of Yeah, uh, Kirby 64, something. the Crystal Shards. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. That's the one that I really liked when I was a kid. Um, since then, uh, being a babysitter, I've tried, like, a couple of games and i've tried a couple of vr games actually and my favorite vr game i think is this game called beat saber oh i've seen that it looks really cool it's really fun it mainly because you can literally go on um spotify from mm -hmm. there and if someone has created um a game for any song you like you don't have to do the preset ones that the creators of the game made so it's not just guitar hero yeah, it's not. You can like, you know, if you're like, oh, I want to do this random Ariana Grande song and it's not <laughs> on the game itself, you can go to Spotify and if someone else has coded and created like a, a sequence for it, you can play that. Can it's do... normally really fucking hard because, you know, it's, right. it's uh, third party making it. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's not as play tested and balanced. Yeah. That's fun. I've never, I've never really been able to do VR. Mm -hmm. One, they usually, until recently, they didn't fit over glasses. Yeah. And because I'm farsighted, I have to wear glasses for anything that's, like, up close. Yeah. Um, but also, I just have never liked it. I think I got so turned off by VR in the 90s mm -hmm. when it was the whole, like, there was a whole community episode about it where you, like, put on the giant headset and the gloves and you walked on the little uh, glider glass or plastic or whatever. Right. You know? Yeah. And it just seemed very stupid to me. And so I know I'm not going to win this argument, but I think VR stupid. <laughs> I think it can be kind of fun. Like I said, like I, I've i played like a couple of games where you are like immersed in it and it is like a world building game. Sure. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really like those in general and I, I'm not the biggest fan of those in VR, but I don't know. Beat Saber was kind of fun because yeah, it is a little bit like Guitar Hero where you basically have like two lightsabers in your hand and you're just basically playing drums in a way. Right. And you, there are different, you know, the different levels give you like different arm movements. Like sometimes you have to move your arm right while you're moving the other one up or, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it corresponds to um, whatever number they're like showing you. Um, so I like things like that, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Being immersed isn't really my full jam. Well, either. I mean, we, this is, it's uh, funny that we're talking about that because when, as of we're as we're recording this, they just uh, announced the stupid metaverse bullshit that uh, Zuckerberg wants to push forward. Mm -hmm. And like, don't like scared. Uh, let's talk about that in the in the analysis section. <laughs> hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched the Black Mirror episode Playtest? You mean season three, episode two, directed by Dan Trachtenberg and written by Charlie Brooker? One in the same. This is one of my favorites of the show. It's really good because it's a little bit different, and we'll definitely talk about that. Um, I I'm I was one of those people um, who... I have kind of a funny um, introduction to Black Mirror as a whole. 
So, you know, back in 2000-whatever, everyone was like, oh, Black Mirror, Black Mirror, Black Mirror, you got to watch it. It's a new Netflix original. And that's when Netflix originals were really ramping up. Like, it's right before Stranger Things, I believe, and it's right before... Right around the same time. Right around the same time. And so, so Netflix originals were, like, actually, like, really hitting the mark. So... Everyone was like, Black Mirror, Black Mirror. And at the time, I was an appointment-based babysitter. So I would go to a different house every day, every night, you know, like, right. and just basically some some of the jobs that I would go to, I would show up and um, it would be like a parent's date night and the kid was already asleep. Like, I never met the kid. Right. Um, it would literally just be, we're going to be out for a couple of hours. She's already asleep. Like, just chill out here. You can watch whatever you want. We have all the streaming platforms, you know, eat our snacks. We don't care. Those jobs were pretty sweet. But anyway, so I was like, well, I guess I'll give Black Mirror a shot. So what did I start with? Episode one. What's episode one? The pig one. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just watched this on a babysitting job. They're going to think I'm insane. Like, if they actually cared enough to see what I watched, you know, or if they just noticed. um, I was like, oh, my, I'm a little bit mortified. And I didn't watch it for a while. And I think a lot of people felt that way. They saw that first episode and they were like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, my my introduction was weirdly at a party. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was before it had come out on Netflix. You had to like find it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but a friend of mine loves this show. And had, the first series was the only one out at the time. I was living in Boulder at the time. And we're at a party and she decides, she's like, no, everybody needs to see this. And so she, she puts on um, The Entire History of You. Yeah. Which is a fantastic episode. Yeah. What I tell people is you should go to the... There, there is a really actually like a good BuzzFeed article that gives you like a top 10. You sure. should start with that. Like 100%. Start with the top rated ones. And then if you like the vibe of the show, then watch the rest. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you mine just right off the bat. <laughs> I think you should start with Entire History of You. Because it's in the beginning, but it's you know also still kind of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, then go to 15 Million Merits. That covers the first season of what you need to see from that. I love the first episode, but it is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... Well, it was before anyone knew that it was... Um, or at least I think the general public didn't know that it was like an anthology. So I I, I thought when I watched it, I was like, wait, is this a political show that's just going to be like really fucked up? Sure. You know, I didn't know. Yeah, I was introduced to it as Twilight Zone, which is right. kind of what it is. Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a similar it's a similar vibe, yeah. Um, but yeah, then do be right back, which is my absolute favorite of all time. White bear is really good. Then, white bear is good. I like white bear a lot. Yeah, and then I'd say any of them in season three, they're all good. San Junipero being your favorite, yeah, up there. I I gotta go shut up and dance or hated in the nation. I do, I like a lot of them. I will say, yeah. I, I I think season one is it's interesting because I think season one is actually the roughest season. It, I mean, it's very composed. Yeah. But it's a different vibe than the, the remainder. I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes, the people who've been yapping your, in your ear for about like five minutes already. Um, just in case you're new here, we're going to be doing the normal format, even though we're discussing an episode of a uh, television series. Uh, and just in case you don't know what that is, Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and crew, and then I'll take us through the plot, and then we will analyze said plot. So, Topher, who made this thing? Well, you already mentioned two of the big ones. I did. 
So yeah, this was written by the series creator, Charlie Brooker. Most of the episodes are written by him. Yeah. Um, there have been some guest writers like uh, Rashida Jones and Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. But he's... Uh, and he, a few others here and there. But I love Charlie Brooker. Uh, big, big fan of his for a long time. He um, seems like a great person to work with. I read an interview with Wyatt Russell and he had nothing but good things to say and how collaborative this episode really was and... All of that. Yeah, I uh, I was introduced to Charlie Brooker from Screenwipe, uh, which is a great, great like film review and all of that. But I've definitely written a couple of spec scripts to send to uh, Black Mirror because I would love to write for this show. Because mm-hmm. obviously, the whoever's listed as a writer on a t- television show is not the sole writer, right? They're just right. the name on there. Yeah. Um, it's always a writer's room, and I would love to be in this writer's room. It was directed, like you said, by Dan Trachtenberg, who we have covered before. He would he Ten Cloverfield dr- Lane. That's right. He's done uh, not much, which is interesting. He's he did the first episode of The Boys. Mm-hmm. He's done this. He did Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'm interested to see more from him. You know? Yeah, for sure. I think he's I think he's got a lot of potential as a director, mm-hmm. and I'd just like to see you know some one of his projects work out. Yeah, he's consistently like I, I was reading up on him again earlier, and it's like, oh yeah, he was so he was attached to this, but it didn't go through. He was attached to that, and it didn't go through. He was attached to the other thing, it didn't go through. And I'm like, man, really want him to like. <laughs> a lot of no's happened before, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. True. True. It stars Wyatt Russell, son of Kurt Russell. If you couldn't tell by the face. I mean, once he grows the beard, you're like, oh, that's Kurt Russell. It's uncanny, yeah. Yeah. Um, love Wyatt Russell. He's so fun. He's such a good actor. And he's just, he's very charming. You know, he has all that charm that his dad has. Yeah, no, he was perfect for this um, specific role. Definitely. Yeah, he um, he's done a lot. I mean, he's obviously, nepotism works sometimes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's worked a good amount, which is not surprising because, you know, nepotism. Yeah. Um, I am glad that he's actually good. Yes. <laughs> you know, but I think he kind of got, he kind of broke through when he did uh, 22 Jump Street. Right. That was kind of his big um, break, I would say. He, since then, he's been in Lodge 49, which our friend Payton loves. Most recently, he was in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier as the new, well, I'm not going to spoil that show, but he plays a kind of fashy guy named John Walker. Um, yeah, I, I like him a lot. I would like I would like to see him in more horror films. Yeah. He's definitely someone I want to see returning to this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, another person from Marvel. <laughs> Hannah John Kamen plays his um, his parachute hookup, Sonya. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I say for Marvel, she was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yep. As uh, Ava Ghost. And she's supposed to be, supposedly she's going to be in the new Red Sonya movie. Uh, we have Wunmi Mosaka. We've got Wunmi Mosaku uh, as Katie, another Marvel person who was recently in Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fantastic. She was also in um, End of the Fucking World. I want to say, right? Oh, maybe. I but, love I love her voice. They it's they really so picked good. they really picked a perfect person to be to kind of sound like. For lack of a better term, she kind of sounds like Siri, but in a nicer way. Does that make sense? Like, she she has that, like, robotic cadence to her voice, but it's also soothing in a way. Yeah, it's very deliberate, but it's resonant. Yeah, like, she works perfectly as the, you know, the woman in his ear. Right. For the whole... Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's she was the Absolutely. perfect cast for that, is all yeah. I'm saying. 
Um, but yeah, she wasn't into the fucking world. She was one of the the cops, one of the gay cops. <laughs> okay. In the first season, remember the two cops that I, are no, the, the detectives are looking for him, and they're both gay, and it's a whole like comedic romantic tension between them. That's right. Okay, yeah, we we watched that when we were all in lockdown, and uh, we watched so many things that <laughs> uh, things are just you know all blurred. Fair that time. Um, but yeah, speaking, she was also in Lovecraft Country. She's been in an episode of uh, Black Lady Sketch Show, which is fantastic. Go watch that right now. Mm-hmm. Both that and Lovecraft Country. Cannot recommend enough. Um, yeah, I, I really like her. And I, I again, this whole cast is people I want to see more from, you know? Yeah. I think they're all very good actors. And I think that's consistent with Black, uh, with Black Mirror. Yeah, the acting in Black Mirror is typically very, very good. It's top-notch. Yeah. And our final real credit, we have Ken Yamamura as Sho Saito, the video game company founder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Elizabeth Moynihan is his mom. Yeah. In a very brief scene at the end. Uh, music was... Do you want to guess who the music was by? Because he composes everything that we cover. Bear McCreary. Oh, okay. He's just everywhere. We just—I think every other episode, we're like, and Bear McCreary did the music for this. The devil works. But Bear McCreary works harder. Thank you. But yeah, just to cover what we've covered from him, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Freaky. We haven't covered this movie, but we've talked about it. The Babysitter. Yeah. The Child's Play remake. Mm-hmm. Happy Death Day. Yep. <laughs> he's just everywhere. This episode. He's just, I think every, yeah, every other episode we were just like, and Bear McCreary did the music. Uh, cinematography was from Aaron Morton, who is fantastic. Yeah, so he also did, he did this episode of Black Mirror, but he also did uh, the episode Metalhead, that black and white one in the post-apocalyptic world. Right. Uh, but yeah, he shot most of, if not all of Orphan Black as well. I love that show. I I haven't watched the most recent season um, but I, I, I loved the, the first, I watched it like years ago. I'd have to rewatch it. If yeah. I, I would, I would want to start from the beginning. I fell off of it, but I loved what I saw. Yeah. It was, it was really good. Yeah. And then just because I really love the editing on this, I'm going to shout out, uh, the editor, Matthew Cannings, who has worked on a bunch of stuff that I really enjoy as well. Um, mm-hmm. most notably Dr. Who and, and education. It's, uh, it's the film with, uh, Carrie Mulligan and Peter Sarsgaard and Alfred Molina where, like Carrie Mulligan's a younger student and Peter Sarsgaard is an older professor and they enter a relationship and it's creepy and weird and I love it. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, as you said, this is the second episode of the third season or sorry, series. Yeah. Yeah, it came out right before Octo- uh, right before Halloween in October 2016. Uh, runs for 57 minutes and I think that's just a quick defense of why we're doing... We've wanted to move into more TV episodes as well. This is the first one we're doing. This one's long enough and has enough substance that, you know, it because it is... I mean, tack on um, 15, 20, 30 minutes and it would be considered... Yeah, if you put on 20 minutes, length. it's a feature. Yeah. Yeah, because it runs for 57 minutes. And, and Black yeah. Mirror is always runs between an hour and an hour and a half. So... Yeah, so you could... You, you really could um, consider... It like a mini movie anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Which I guess is the definition of an episode. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't have any information on the on the budget and return because yeah, it's it's a show. Yeah, yeah. you don't typically get episode budgets. Uh, yeah. So I guess without further ado, what happens in it? A lot. Um, yes. For 57-minute runtime, a lot of things happen. A lot of things happen. But starting from the beginning, we meet Cooper, who is played by 
Wyatt Russell, Mm -hmm. as you covered. We find out that his father has died from Alzheimer's disease, which is so tough. I mean, that's such a slow decline. Yeah. Um, So feel for him. So he's traveling the world after that happens and isn't picking up phone calls from his mom. We don't know why. Yeah, we have why no idea he why he's ignoring her. Mom. Yeah, because the se- opening sequence is him packing a bag, sneaking out of a house, and then we get the montage of him all over the world and then landing in London. Yikes. Where he gets horny and hops on whatever the Black Mirror version of Tender is. This is this is why this is why society needs to it needs to get there get there faster for men should be able to express their feelings seriously you know what i mean so like, quickly men should be able to go to therapy without the stigma men should like this is what stems from that them sneaking out of their house and worrying their poor mother who is now a widow who's now a widow just lost her husband probably only and i think he's an only child um, that's what it looks like Cooper. Yeah. so like it just leads to reckless behavior and people hurting other people like come on yeah. Anyway, rant over. So he ends up in London. Uh, it's kind of the last leg of his journey. Um, he spends a night with uh, Sonia, who is a technology journalist. So he's about to leave. He's trying to buy his ticket back home. Mm-hmm. And there's been fraud on his account. Yeah, it's identity theft or something like yeah. that. Yeah. They've, they've drained his bank account. Yeah. Um, and it's going to take way too long for that money to get back um, to him. So he's forced to stay with her. Um, they have a cute. They actually have a, like a cute. It's a nice rapport. banter. Yeah, a nice. Yeah, a nice banter. They've got the bants. Beat me to it. <laughs> so she finds this offer to play test a game for Saito Gamu. Yeah, it's like um through a task rabbit thing that he's flipping through. Yeah, and, and and so he'd get paid. You know, it might solve all his issues and he'll be able to get back home to america and he's it's like four pound signs is like so it's gonna be a big paycheck so we think and she's like oh yeah totally like you can also they're super secretive so take photos of anything you get will be worth more than four pound signs yeah so he he decides to go so we're at at the company's headquarters he's met by katie um in an experiment room where she turns his phone off and but then she forgets the last page, the signature page for, you know, the, the ND, NDR. Yeah. Um, and so she has to go get it. He turns he turns the phone back on, takes pictures of the test kit and send it, sends it to Sonia, where Sonia's like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Katie comes back and implants a small device called a mushroom in the back of his neck. Sounds cute enough. It is. Um, so we think it actually looks like a. It looks like the old gauges I had um, when I was gauging my ears. I had glass ones that had like a black front to them, and it looks mm-hmm. exactly like a ear gauge. Huh. So it turns out he's testing an augmented reality version of Whack a Mole, um, which is pretty fun, and he's impressed by the technology. To be clear, before it starts, his phone does ring, and she's like, "I thought I turned that off," and then he, she, yeah. Does. So he agrees to do like a bigger test after he's seen kind of what they're about. He may, he meets um, Sho, who is the company's owner, and then he's told that he will experience a horror game where an artificial neural network personalizes the, ex- the experience to his fears. So it'll make basically his deepest fears manifest Exactly. Um, and only he can see it. It's this whole, you know, psycho- it's, we're set up for the utmost psychological horror right now. Right. 
So he, they get to um, this haunted ass mansion. It's called the Harlock House. It's funny. It's uh, it's actually based on the mansion from Resident Evil. Amazing. And his last name is Redfield, and the main one of the main characters from that series is Chris Redfield. We love an Easter egg. Hey, there's lots of them. It's Black Mirror. Yes, you could watch this two or three times and you'd still There's find an, something. There's an entire episode about all the Easter eggs. Yep. <laughs> um, at least they're self-aware. So so Cooper has this like little earpiece so he can communicate with Katie. Um, and there are cameras throughout. So we kind of get these interstitials of seeing what Katie can see and then seeing what Cooper is seeing. Yeah. So we were able to see, you know, kind of what is real and what's not um which none of it's real uh right because it's yeah. it's all vr so after a while he sees like a little spider he's an arachnophobe so it makes sense yeah he's not um, a big fan <laughs> and then he sees a figure appearing in the painting of the house right mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's like a light on in a painting and then it's off <laughs> yeah and he hears footsteps and then there's this there's a jump scare of you know he turns around and there's this like creepy looking pirate dude that turns out to be josh peters who was his childhood bully yeah and so he has a moment with that which is really cute a lot of this was improvised there were certain lines that were written but most of this is wyatt really yeah. That's fun. He said, you know, they would do multiple takes and they would say, okay, that was great. But like, I want you to say, they would come up with like a certain landmark line. They were like, I really liked it when you said that, but like, can you say this, this next take? Right. So they kind of created this together in a certain, in that's, a way. That's awesome. I really like that a lot. Yeah. So this ended up being a very collaborative effort Yeah. through that, through him improvising. And um, I read an interview with him saying, you know, like, look, I'm the only person in this so i had to he, he was like as an actor i love to play off of people but he was like in this particular circumstance i kind of had to fill the space exactly and, and it, it feels very improv in that she's like cooper what are you seeing yeah and he does a really great job because i think it also lets us in to and i'll talk more about this later it lets us in to um be more compassionate towards Cooper because right. we're seeing that he's kind of just like a dude going with the flow. He's like, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He feels very just chill. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of are like, okay, he's just like really, you know, down for whatever. Like that's, that's an admirable quality, mm-hmm. you know, in general. So, but anyway, so then we get kind of a mixture of the two. We get a giant like spider creature, but it has Josh Peter's face on it. It has like fangs just like in the kitchen. It's just like it's on a, the it's counter. It's the spider from the thing. Yeah. That's, that's what they were, they were referencing the thing with that. So that's pretty, you know, that's another kind of jump scare. It's pretty spooky, but then it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Um, Cooper's earpiece stops working. Yeah, and that's when that's when um, that's when us at home are like, "Oh shit, the other shoe's about to drop." Um, Fan meat shit. Oh my gold. So then Sonia is like knocking on the door, banging on the door, and is telling him to leave. She's like, "You're in danger. You're in danger." But then he finds some inconsistencies in her story. He's like, "How did you even find me?" They have an address and he's like, well, we're like miles away from there. How did you find me? I used to find my iPhone. They took my phone and put it in, you know, a room. So and turned it off. So, no, 
you didn't. So this is when we start to question what's real and what's not, because then she says that she's the one who drained his bank account. Right. She's the one who pointed him to this job. And so this has us questioning, like, why would she come here and tell him he's in danger and then switch to, you know, haha, I'm the one who even put you in in, in here and you are in right. danger. I'm going to stab you now. Like it's, it starts digging into him about his, uh, his about his mom. And if like, you, you had just it. called your mom, but instead you called me and then she's got the knife and she's dragging it on the table. Like, yeah, it's dope. It's yeah, it's a really cool fight scene. So they struggle for a really, uh, really long time. He ends up getting stabbed in the arm. Yeah, in the back, like through his shoulder. Yeah, so much. the the blade is sticking out. Yep. the front. So then she somehow inverts to like a red. So it's like it's like her skin flips over. It's weird. <laughs> um. So <clears throat> then Cooper takes. So then. So then Cooper takes her head and just rams it into the knife. Oof. So impales her. It's a good kill. It's a really good kill. Uh, but then they, the knife and her, they just disappear. And he's just left there screaming on the floor. Yeah, because like, what the fuck? And so then Katie, you know, conveniently, it, it, the the earpiece works now. And is and he's like, stop, stop. His safe word was stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, solid, I guess. And he's he's like, he's like, I want out. I want out. I'm done. Like, that was too much. Yeah. I'm done. So, um which it all makes sense to us now because that could be his 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 fear at this point of like the the earpiece has fizzled out right which we don't even really know if like that's real or not you know what i mean yeah. like that could have been a, a a materialization of his or a manifestation of the fear of like what if i lose contact with Katie exactly she's yeah. my what lifeline what if i can't get out yeah yeah um and then it's a bigger fear that the girl that he you know had had spent time with um was actually betraying him and the whole reason he's even here is her and then they get into you know so it could yeah. just be a big manifestation of like a an evolving snowballing fear exactly i don't know yeah um so then cooper is led to an upstairs room it's like an access point yeah she's like okay yeah go upstairs to the access point and this is the only way i can get you out and he's like no no i know someone's gonna be behind that door it's like i'm gonna see my mom i'm gonna see you know but he ends up going through the door and then katie starts interrogating cooper um because he's forgetting details about his life about he doesn't know what his mom looks like he doesn't know what he looks like he doesn't know who he is and there's this whole thing where katie and again we don't know Nobody knows what's real and what's not. Where Katie is like, ha, you thought there was really an access point? There's yeah. not. And yeah, so- just like mocking him. It's another, like, this is another couple video game references here that are really fun. Right. So she says, would you kindly open the door? Mm-hmm. So if anybody played the game Bioshock from 2007, which is a great horror video game, uh, that's a criticism of uh, Ayn Rand's uh, philosophy. Oh, yeah. Um, We've talked about... Ayn Rand on this podcast. Yeah, fuck that bitch. I'm glad she's dead. May she rot. But the we I'm gonna spoil a game that's been out for 14 years. Sorry. I think it's okay. You can almost drive a car if you were born the same year this came out. So the phrase "Would you kindly" is the mind control uh, safe or like keyword in Mm -hmm. that. So the the main antagonist forces you to beat him to death in the game by using the phrase would you kindly yeah because it's to prove that he's still a master he's still in control and you aren't and yada yada right but yeah so she says would you kindly open the door and so that's a reference and then her mocking him 
as he's freaking out is I'm pretty sure a reference to Portal. Okay. Because that's one where, um, like, th- you're in contact with the antagonist throughout the entire game, and she constantly mocks you the better you do. Okay. Right? So, yeah. it, it at least feels like a reference to Portal. For sure. Hi, I'm Topher, and I play video games. I mean, I'm glad. It's very helpful for this episode. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't really play them that often. Um, yeah, you often call them video james. I, I do not. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you got that, but... Um, so he's he Cooper our, our 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 dear friend Cooper has lost it. He, he has uh, yes. has has lost it. Um, after so then he uh, breaks a mirror, grabs a shard of glass, and is trying to cut the mushroom out of the base of his neck. Mm-hmm. Which they've already said that it's dangerous if you try to remove it yourself. Yeah, they're yelling at him not to do it. Yeah. So Katie and Show burst in and restrain him, saying that um, then we then we get. Probably another manifestation of a fear where the technology has advanced too far to be removed. It has yeah, planted roots, blah, blah, blah. And it's him just saying, where am I? Who am I? What, what's going on? Like, he's completely lost it. It's very sad. It is. So then we find out that Cooper is it, it never left Shu's office. The experiment only lasted a single second and nothing after that was real. Cooper returns home to find his mom who does not recognize him and she's just like in a fugue state dialing his number. I have to call Cooper. Yeah. Um, like she doesn't even acknowledge him. Which just reminds me of Twin Peaks. Yes. <laughs> I have to call Cooper. Um, <laughs> so then we're back in that first experiment room where he you know, allegedly played whack-a-mole. So what actually and it's it's you clocked that it's 538 yes i was watching the clocks throughout this that's time. an important thing to um note that what happens is when they were uploading i um they had put the mushroom in his in the base of his neck and they were um uploading the i don't know software like whatever the little the little bar across his head it was loading mm-hmm. um his phone rings it's his mom he yells for his mom and he's clearly having some sort of like I want to say seizure because that is like brain yeah, chemistry, it's, right? Yeah, it's like an aneurysm or a seizure it, it, or something yeah, like that. It, it's it's very, something to do with the brain, definitely. It's very... Uh, uh, he's uh, he doesn't have any motor function. He's He's, he's seizing. definitely seizing, he's yeah. He's seizing. It's, but it feels very... What's the fucking name of it? Six Feet Under. Uh-huh. When he's... What is it? Ner- Norm or whatever that he yells over and over as he dies? Yeah. Yeah. So he's... Uh, basically, the mushroom kills him, and then we found out that, or we find out that Cooper was in fact killed within zero point zero four seconds by a phone call from his mother, causing signal interference with the device. The subsequent experience existing only in his head. Yep. So that's nice, like that's it's, the a, twist. it's a multiple <laughs> reveal here, yeah, yeah, or multiple twist or whatever. Yeah, it's also there's a nice little villainy moment, villain-ish moment at the end with yeah. show. Um, and Katie, Katie's like, I swear I t- turned it off. He must have turned it back on. Yep. And what like, he's like, well, what else happened? And she's like, he just kept yelling mom. He goes, make a note of that. Oh, uh, it's so, uh, there's, so there's so many layers to this, right? Like all of the, so we have moments in his head first, first off where they can't, where, where the mushroom has, has dug its roots too much. Like, like we get yeah. that whole speech. And almost the callousness of we, we, we see some emotion from Katie, mm-hmm. but we see none from show for for him. Yeah. It is it, it is still a business. And that is what is so creepy. 
Right. You know? Yeah. Because, like, the final shot is, like, his face being zipped into a body bag. And it's just, like, make note of it. Yeah. And it's it's insane because it's, like... I mean, it's obviously making it's obviously um, making a statement with that that corporations right. and you know like like people are so business minded that they stop seeing people as people. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's money, 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 money. It's, it's a rich man's exactly. world, as Abba right. so <laughs> so promptly said. Yeah, there's just there there are a lot of there's a lot of commentary here that we should get into. Absolutely. So. I guess what we should talk about first and foremost is why Black Mirror. Yeah. Right? Um, I feel like, for some reason, I feel like we have to justify doing a TV series episode. Yeah. So I kind of feel like we have to justify doing a TV episode, which is stupid, but, like, I I do, you know? Yeah. And maybe it's because there hasn't been a lot of horror in television, like, straight up and down. There have been, we've done, like, videos about this, but there are horrifying episodes of TV shows, but none that ever hit quite like a horror movie does. Like The Walking right. Dead is one of the only long-running horror television shows, and I find it incredibly boring. Right. But, um, but yeah, so I think one one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about Black Mirror and this episode in particular, we have a couple other uh, episodes from Black Mirror slated, just to spoil that for y'all. Um, but we have a few more on the docket that we want to do, but this is the one we wanted to start with because it is the most obviously horror film one. Definitely. And Definitely. we want to do Black Mirror in general because it's such a good speculative fiction that can you can find horrifying aspects to and also straight up and down horror from, right? Yeah, and look, I, I, I often say with certain horror films, you know, um, I, I can't think of a specific one right now, but I know I've said it several times <laughs> where I'm like, this movie did not need to be even like a feature length. Like it would have been so much more compelling if it were either a short or, you know, like an episode or, you know, like short. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Something like that. So, so if I'm going to, you know, be saying that, then I feel like it would be doing a disservice to not cover the things that actually are that length and follow that um, structure of storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I like I said before, I love Black Mirror and I would I would do a lot of terrible and allegedly maybe do some illegal things to write for them. Um it's a dream, dream job big. for me. Yeah, dream I mean it's a big. yeah. <laughs> but it is a dream job for me. Like it's a nice mix of horror and like speculative fiction and that's sort of my my wheelhouse, you mm-hmm. know. It's funny. Charlie Brooker keeps have you know how people kept saying like, "Oh, the Simpsons predicted it." Oh, the Simpsons predicted it. Yeah, Brooker's had to say the same sort of thing where he's like, "I look, guys, I just look at shit and see, like, I just extrapolate what's happening, right?" Yeah. Um, so with this, the real horror of it now for us, having just watched it, uh, rewatched it, and having had this whole bullshit metaverse stuff explained or announced, is, you know, Zuckerberg wants us to live in AR, right? He wants us to live in augmented reality, and these fucking yeah. nerds can't stop destroying the planet and causing genocides. Zuckerberg has caused multiple genocides, or uh, not himself, but uh, Facebook has facilitated a number of genocides. You should look it up. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, that's this to me. You know, it's it's like, oh yeah, sure. Right. It's a cool technology. And then you go, yeah, but what's it going to be used for? Yeah. It's that Foucault's boomerang of it all, you know? Yeah. Well, and this is where I think, I do think Black Mirror is a lot like, um, Twilight Zone in many ways, but where it differs, I think, is with Twilight Zone, 
Twilight Zone, for the most part, kind of presented these outlandish... I mean, that that's why people, when, when just out of left field, crazy things happen, people say, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, when bizarre shit happens, that's what she would say, yeah. But with Black Mirror, we're there. Yeah. We are there with a lot of these technologies. Like, right after Black Mirror came out, the literal mirror uh, that you work out with. Yes. And it learns, like... It looks at like your capabilities and shit, and like I don't know. Yeah, it's adaptive, and I don't love yeah. that. Yeah, so like that's I think is the that I think is the uh, biggest difference between Twilight Zone and Black Mirror is that we have this technology; it's here, and it's just yeah. kind of displaying for us how um, destructive it could possibly be. And we've talked a lot about a lot about technology in horror films, especially as as technology does advance, which it has a great deal over the last 20 years. Um, 100%. Like, we talked about it, I would say, most recently in in our our episode on Child's Play with Aubrey Plaza and... Right. Yeah, where where I loved that they took it in kind of the Black Mirror direction, where Mm -hmm. they were like, what happens if this technology is too advanced? Yeah. What if it learns the wrong way? Yeah. Exactly. And like that's what I mean. Hell, fifteen million merits, right? That's an episode about uh, this like dystopian thing where you fight for your, the lower classes, exercise all day, and that's how they make money. Yeah. And then the mirror, but yeah, they make they make money to buy a ticket to get their way out. And again, it's all it's like um those fucking wees mm-hmm. or mees from we m i i, and it's that's everybody's tuning in to watch with their avatar. Yeah. And they live in these little cells that are covered in walls and you have to have like the TV on all the time and mm-hmm. all these ads and shit. Um, like you can't turn it off because it costs money to turn it off and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Um, th- there was a nosedive, the one with Bryce Dallas Howard and um, Rashida Jones wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all about uh, earning socioeconomic status because other people like you. Like, they mm-hmm. rank you. Mm-hmm. And then there was the social rankings or the social credit system in China that came out. Yeah. Like, it, it yeah. I, I'd say Brooker is very good at understanding what that people will use. People in power will use technology for bad things. Absolutely. And I think that's all this really is. He's not predicting the future. It's But it is horrifying to see someone who's like, yeah, this is what they're going to do with it. Like, And, you know, lots of other people say the same thing. And they're not trying to be doomsayers. They're trying to say, hey... Maybe the power should be with the people. Like this is yeah. this, this is a very he's very good at speaking truth to power. I think. Yeah, and ad- advances in technology can be very empowering and powerful. And then this looks into what happens when it when it's in the when the power is in the wrong hands. Which you can you can take de- technology completely out of that. And we've we've had so many narratives that explore that. What if the power is in the wrong hands? Yeah. And I do want to be clear that we're not trying to be ableist here. Like accessibility technology, fantastic. Yeah, here that's kind it. of that's what I that's what I was getting at. Like you know, folks who uh, the the hearing aid technology has advanced amazingly, uh, amazingly, yeah. and people are able to um, hear things that they were ne- never able to before, and mm-hmm. that's amazing and again empowering and and uh, many other things just like that. But yeah, it's it's on the other side of the coin with with certain technologies when it's in the wrong hands it can be 
detrimental to society. Yeah, exactly. So I do want to talk about why this is just such good psychological horror, not just setting horror. Mm -hmm. It's a really good... We've talked about how we love uh, allegorical films. Like some of our favorites, I think, are more allegorical than they are literal. Yeah. Um, It follows... But, like, The Witch is allegorical. Mm-hmm. It follows uh, Babadook. Mm-hmm. Another one that I just forgot the name of. A lot of them <laughs> Evil are, Dead. Yeah. Sorry, Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. The 2013 one, which is all about uh, uh, addiction. Addiction, yeah. yeah. So this one plays on... It's not explicitly... It's not, like, strictly allegorical. Right. But it is playing on the fear of dementia, which is what makes this very, very good psychological horror, right? His, like, Alzheimer's, we know, is uh, genetic... So, because his dad had it, he's terrified that he's going to have it. And then they spend uh, the bulk of the episode gaslighting him in his own head. I thought it wasn't genetic. Oh, maybe not. But I, think, I, I, I don't think it is. But it's typical for, you know, any ailment that, you're, that your parentals have. You, you see it so closely that it right. instills a fear, whether it's genetic or not, it instills a fear within you. Am I going to one day be like that? Yeah, am I going to break down? Am I going to fall apart? Am I going to be, you know, and people, I don't mean to put it this way, but people, this is the fear. Am I going to be a burden? Right. Well, yes. And and also with dementia and Alzheimer's being so common, especially with uh, the older population, mm-hmm. I think that people are, are, are assuming that it's more likely that they are going to have it one day. Right. Um, and it's, it's, like you said, it's the fear of being a burden. It's a fear of suffering in your last, you know, couple of years of life. Of losing and yourself. Yeah. All that work to build a person. And it becomes like if you it, it's that very Cartesian, like if I don't know myself, then what am I? Yeah. And then that's where it ties into the end of this, where he does lose all of his memories. And it's, again, a manifestation of his biggest fear at the moment. Mm-hmm. And... What's interesting is you realize in the end that you are watching a man who is stuck mentally somewhere, but he's physically dead. That's what's yeah. so alarming about this is is it hits you on multiple levels. At first, you know, the general shock of, oh, what I just watched what wasn't actually happening. Yeah. So then once you get past that, you get into the like, well, what was real? What was like? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. And then you get to the layer of, oh, my God, he's physically dead to the world. He is dead. But because he has this mushroom in the back of his neck, his his psyche is alive. Yeah, his consciousness is somewhere. He's stuck. He's in the cloud. He's in, yeah, yeah, quite literally. <laughs> and so um, I think that then adds another layer of psychological horror to this where um, it's not that he tried, it's not that he did a play test of this and it killed him within 0.04 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's that is It's that he has this thing that he allowed them to implant into him and, you know, he was just very game for the whole thing. Um, and it did end up killing him. But now he has to live psychologically in a world where all of his fears are manifested all the time. Right. That's a certain circle of hell that I don't want anything to do with. Yeah, that's... Oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I, yeah, I, 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 that, I'm just sort of reeling from that last comment. Sorry. Um, good job. You, you, you broke me. So and the reason that everything that I just said essentially works is our compassion for Cooper. So, so in a lot, I won't say all, but in a lot or most of Black Mirror episodes, the main character like is being taught a lesson, like because they're a, sh- a shitty person yeah. or something, you know. So there's a few like there's more few, charismatic ones, but yeah. most of the time, yeah, it's yeah. Most of the time, that's like kind of the 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 narrative, right? It's more like a fable, yeah. Yeah, where it's like a cautionary tale or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one. And they actually had originally written him to be like this ugly American, like just just being a total douche, a douchebag. But then when they cast Wyatt, he's just so naturally likable. He's a Labrador. He is. I was about to say that he's like a golden retriever, a Labrador. Yeah. And it, it just ended up working out. The character completely changed and for the better, in my opinion, because I think that you need for this storyline to work, you need to be compassionate towards him you need to Mm -hmm. feel like you're on the journey with him you need to feel like you want to be on the journey with him because he is the only person we're with for most of this episode and you kind of just need to feel like like he is a dopey american who's just in over his head he's just like he's he's lost he doesn't know what to do he wants to get back home but he doesn't know how and he's just kind of stuck and yeah, he's just kind of he's just kind of dopey, but he's he's likable. And um, when bad things happen to him, it, it it causes you to actually really he didn't deserve it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm you saying. feel that like, you feel that compassion because he's just so he's a dope, but he's not doing anything wrong. Like he he's didn't. Not, he's, the only bad thing he's doing is not is is abandoning he's his mom. Things, which again. I think society has failed men in a very big way with that, where if we would just allow men to express their feelings and go to therapy and cry and do all of these things as a society, then a lot of this would be avoided. <laughs> but but yeah, he just he, he doesn't deserve it, even though he's being a dick to his mom. You know, like right. he's, he's going through something and yeah, he don't took his be, journey. Yeah. Don't be a dick to your mom. Yes. Of course, don't. But like, I don't know. It's just it, he's he's so likable, and again, and he's, also grief takes a lot of forms too. Like, I, yeah. I, there's some there are forgivable aspects of what he's doing. You yeah. know, like grief is grief is weird, and yeah. if his grief is I'm gonna travel the world until I'm ready to face everything, then then that's his that's, that, that, that's, that's it. it, and that's a cool way to do it. It's a bit uh, a bit privileged of a way to do it, but of it's course, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, the fact that he's so just kind of like. Yeah, man, whatever. Like, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. He's he's very go with the flow. Like, I feel yeah. like you could have presented anything to him and he would have been like, okay, cool. So that kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of makes us feel like, oh, well, you know, he's 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 down to do this. He, you know, we're along for the ride and we're happy to be here. But then, you know, shit goes south and it's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it Talking about his likability, it makes it, it also really works in the house. Yeah. Because what the my favorite part of this like psychological horror aspect of it all is the the sort of gaslighting of him, right? Yeah. So we he, he keeps being told, and we are being told as the audience that what's happening isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Now that works on a couple layers, right? Because this is what do they say? Um, 
Kitty calls it layers on top of reality. Mm-hmm. So it's not even augmented reality. It's layers on top of it. Yeah. And um, there was a critic who was like, commented that, that that's actually the episode's construction in reverse. Mm-hmm. Which is what Brooker's doing here. Like, yeah. He's clever like that. But yeah, so we're being told what's happening isn't happening. So that's Kate. That Katie is telling Cooper that, but that's the episode writer saying like, hey. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that if you're going to call it layers on top of reality, at what point does that stop being reality? Yeah. Or what, is, what point does the, do the layers start being real themselves? Because it feels real to him. It looks real to him. We see that it's not according to what we're seeing and feeling, but to him it is. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. he's immersed in it. And he, she's like, oh, you shouldn't be able to feel anything. You shouldn't be able to touch anything. That's impossible. He's like, well, it fucking happened. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, I love that as a psychological horror aspect of it, right? Of, like, he's being gaslit, and then you have to ask the question, oh, God, is that really real? What if it were? Yeah, and often in psychological horror, horror, it's it's necessary to have a gaslighting aspect, whether that manifests as a person or just, like, a general concept of being gaslit, because you have to constantly be questioning your own your own sense of what's real yeah you have to check your perception and Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do that because you've only got so many you can only check your perception with your perception Mm -hmm. sorry i studied a lot of philosophy um it's we know (laughs) (laughs) can you tell no we're not new here but yeah like it's it did this is back to descartes right it's Mm -hmm. like i said earlier it's the cartesian sort of thing when losing the sense of self but which is the only thing that exists. And the reason he says that is because you can't analyze your tools of perception with your tools of perception. Yeah. Right. And so how do we, how do we, how do we adjust to reality? Right. Yeah. And this whole thing is very like inception-y. Oh, that movie sucks. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's besides the point. This still, this still has inception-esque elements the layers on layers on layers on layers yeah Yeah. it where you keep pulling in and pull or dropping in and pulling out dropping in and pulling out layer by layer i get that yeah it's the the fact of whether inception is good or not (laughs) is not in question right now that's fair that's fair but it this it this is very good and i love it um it's definitely one that i've gone back to a lot yeah uh, I, I just, the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it, you know, mm-hmm. which is this, and that's the, that's the mark of any great movie is finding more within it to enjoy. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to do more Black Mirror episodes in the future. There's definitely more that we can play with. Yeah. Do we know if they're coming out with another season? Maybe. Um, everything got delayed because COVID. True. So true, true, true. they've talked about it. I just don't know if there's an, a, a, a truly... I don't know if it, I haven't heard, I haven't seen anything confirmed. That's what I'll say. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if they're if they're coming out with more, then absolutely. So you have uh, any any final thoughts? Not really, other than just I I appreciate the exploration that Black Mirror is doing because again we've talked a lot about how horror movies have had to pivot because in the, in the past it's been you've only had a home phone like I'm sure. thinking scream yeah. right you've only had a home phone and I've said so many times earlier on this on this podcast like you know 2 years ago I was like Google really really would have helped a bitch out yeah cell phone um, would you you have a cell phone would fucking use it yeah but so you at first probably would think like oh that's that's 
a little bit of a curse that we're having to adjust for that. But I think it's actually an opportunity. Yeah, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. So you're you're now able to pivot and discuss you know technology in a in a in a new way and a lot of horror films do that and i love that black mirror has kind of been dedicated to doing that exactly it's explicitly about the how it's about how technology is going to fuck us yeah so i like that i like that that's it's like soaring point over everything right that's really my final thought yeah yeah that's that's about what i have to say um you know i could talk about how this is that uh uh show saito is hideo kojima but mm-hmm. that's really it. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, you guys know where to find us. We have an Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We have a Twitter, Horror Babes Pod. And we have a little website, HorrorBabesPod.com. Correct. If you are enjoying us, please give us a rating review on iTunes. And until next time, stay safe. Bye, Bye babes. Yeah, babe.